This is Play-By-Play Cast. Is that faster than a greyhound? The podcast about play-by-play guys. For play-by-play guys, by I'm told, a play-by-play guy. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. Now here's the host of Play-by-Play Cast, Todd Bodet. Wait, the Motel 6 guy? We'll leave the light on for you. No, Joel Godet. Joe Godet. Joel. Joe. Joel? Joel, with an L. Okay, here's your host, Joel Godet. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. Episode number 38 of Play-By-Play Cast. It's our very first chat with a female play-by-play announcer. Long overdue. Lisa Byington joins us. She's from Big Ten Network, Fox Sports 1, does some ESPN work as well, and one of the very few and really too few women that handle play-by-play duties in this industry. Before we get to Lisa, some housekeeping notes. Uh, First and foremost, thank you to all of those that downloaded last week's episode with Bob Joyce, the voice of the University of Connecticut women's basketball team. By far, our most listened to episode to date. And I mean by far. Three days after our episode with Bob dropped, it was one and a half times more downloaded than any other episode we've put out there so far. I blew some numbers out of the water. So thank you to all of our new listeners, to our new followers, uh, and to those that uh, joined us here to hear our conversation last week with Bob Joyce and to talk about uh, women's basketball and the amazing things that Gina Oriema has put together up in stores, Connecticut. Uh, as always, you can find the podcast on Twitter. We are at PXPCast. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is my name, at Joel Godet. You can also hit me up on email at uh, not at, uh, J-G-O-D-E-T-T at B-S-U dot E-D-U. J, my last name at B-S-U dot E-D-U. Questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, whatever you would like. Uh, you can throw email eggs at me, whatever you've got. Uh, would love to hear from you. And then if you want to rate the podcast, throw a couple stars our way, throw a sentence or two as a review our way, much appreciated as well. I'm not the greatest marketing machine in the world. It's not my biggest strength, I'm more of an introverted guy, which is kind of weird in this industry, uh, and I'm just not a huge promoter. So to all of those of you out there that share the podcast, that tell somebody about the podcast, that tweet about the podcast, that tweet that you're listening to the podcast, uh, I am forever grateful to you uh, because you help spread the word uh, more than anything else, more than anything I could do. Uh, We've got a Twitter and I tweet about the episodes that drop, but uh, the fact that you guys listen and tell people that you listen is uh, the number one endorsement of what we do here. And uh, I certainly appreciate it. And it means a lot to me. Uh, That being said, let's get onto our episode today with Lisa Byington, who I mentioned is one of the few, too few women's play-by-play announcers out there. Uh, and I'm thinking, top of my head, Beth Mowens, Pam Ward, Kate Scott did preseason games for the 49ers uh, this past season. Uh, you've got Doris Burke, your Brooke Weisbrods, um, Susan Waldman, certainly Jessica Mendoza. They all have kind of cracked through that glass ceiling, but all in analyst spots. Not a lot of play-by-play announcers that are female. And I think that's going to change. I know that's going to change. Uh, and it'll be interesting to watch as that kind of happens for a couple of reasons. Number one... Uh, There are inherently 
more men in this field right now. So you have to kind of wade through that pool first and foremost, just from a number standpoint, there are more men that do it. So, and there are more men that are hiring those that do it. Not that that matters or should matter, Uh, but that's number one. So I think it'll take some time from that standpoint, but you're already starting to see, I'm thinking minor league baseball wise, Kristen Carbach, uh, does the Clearwater Threshers, which is high A for the Phillies, has been there for a couple of years. Uh, Emma Tiedemann, if you listen to the Voice Behind the Voice podcast, uh, a few episodes ago, uh, Sean Aronson talked about uh, her being hired on with the St. Paul Saints as a broadcast assistant for this upcoming season. So it's starting to happen more and more. Uh, but the other thing that'll be interesting to watch is the events that women broadcast. Because for the most part right now, and this is like a Bill Maher statistic. I don't have the official stat. I don't know this for a fact. I just know it's true. But for the most part right now, I feel like a lot of women's play-by-play announcers call women's athletics, be it basketball or volleyball or softball, gymnastics. And I hate the idea of, it's a women's game, let's have a woman call it. And on the same note, I hate the idea of, well, it's a men's game, let's have a, men, let's have a man call it. You know, if you can have a guy call women's volleyball, you can have a woman call football. You know, there's no reason not to other than the thought of, well, it's different. Well, of course it's different, but it shouldn't be. Like We've got to get to a point where it's just kind of normal, I guess. Uh, and then you also get to the stereotyping, and we'll talk about this with Lisa a little bit. Uh, but I still think today there are too many people that will say, well, it's a woman, what does she know about sports? Or hold them to a higher standard. The first thing they get wrong, it's like, oh, well, she's a woman. Guys, I'm five foot eight, 148 pounds. I was a high school fencer, and I struck out 18 of the 20 times I went to bat my last year of baseball, and I stopped playing basketball. My dad was my coach in fifth grade and didn't play me. What do I know about sports? Like, somebody like Lisa Byington can dance circles around me. (laughs) It's an archaic thought to say, well, it's a woman. What does she know about sports? Uh, And I'd like to think we're past that as a society, but nothing really surprises me anymore. So I, I think that's one of the other interesting hurdles Uh, we have here as well. But I I think we need to get to the point as an industry and it'll happen also as a fan base uh, and that'll happen where gender doesn't matter and you can turn on a game, turn on an NFL game and hear a woman and not say, oh, wow, woman, but say, oh, wow, great call. You know, I'd love to see more women in the NFL or Major League Baseball, college basketball, football. I'd love to see a school hire a woman as their football and basketball voice. And I think that would be really cool. And the fact that I think that would be really cool is really weird because it shouldn't be a novelty. Like, it should just be. (laughs) It should just happen. It should be a normal thing. Uh, I think Beth Moen should be doing NFL games regularly if she wants to. Also, I feel like uh, if she's interested, I would love to have Beth Moen's on the podcast. So, Beth, if you're listening, hit us up. Uh, We're on Twitter at PXPCast and uh, would love to talk to you when your schedule allows. Uh, But yeah, that's my rant of the day. That said, Lisa Byington, uh, she will detail her career on the podcast, so I don't want to spill the beans on that too much, uh, but started in local TV, now is on the network television scene, but also started as a collegiate athlete, uh, played soccer, played basketball at Northwestern, and that's where we start this episode, because as an athlete, I was curious how she approached her recruiting. Uh, from the standpoint of, did she want to be a broadcaster originally, and did that factor into her plan and her recruitment Obviously, Northwestern's really good. Uh, Medill's really good. So I was curious what came first, kind of chicken or the egg. Uh, did she go to Northwestern for journalism and then happen to play sports there and it just worked out that way? Or did she go to Northwestern because it's a great school, they were recruiting her, committed to play there, and then the journalism thing came along later. 
So that's the first question that Lisa Byington answers on episode number 38 of Play by Playcast. Um, yeah, you know, well, first of all, like, I, you know, I didn't get into Medill, you know, the, the journalism school at Northwestern really until late my sophomore year. And, and I wasn't even sure um, going into Northwestern if that was the direction I wanted to take. If you, if you want to go back to high school and in, in my line of thinking, um, you know, this, I guess when I look back, you know, there are various seeds that had been planted um, just in terms of lines of thinking of where I wanted to go and just in terms of where my passion was and where my heart was. Um, and, and I go back and I think about it. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And I connect the dot there and there. And so some of the seeds that were planted for me that I had to pay attention to in high school were number one, my dad was, um, one of his his first job was as a columnist. He was a journalist. He was a reporter. And so some of my earliest memories as a little kid was watching him. He had to type on a typewriter. He had to do his stories on a typewriter back then. But I remember when I was like five or six years old and sitting there and watching him come back from a high school basketball game and typing a story. And so, you know, whether I realized it or not, um, maybe that journalism seed was kind of planted way back then. Um, the sports seed was, was planted, you know, when I was a little kid, I mean, I just, my passion was sports. I always wanted to be around sports. And so I think I kind of knew maybe subconsciously that if I was going to pick a profession, it was probably going to be one of two things. It was either going to be a coach or, you know, kind of a teacher and maybe kind of stay in sports in that way, or it was going to be in journalism and it was going to be in, in sports journalism. And as a high schooler, I don't think you really understand what it means to pick a career. And I think it's okay when you're a high schooler or when you're a freshman or a sophomore to not really understand that, to not really understand what direction you want to go. But it's also important to pay attention to some of the seeds that are planted because they're there for a reason. And and your passions and your heart, you have to pay attention to. And those are there for a reason as well. What made you want to, when, when you made that conscious decision, when you start and you get into Medill and you start doing journalism as a real serious thing in college, what set that switch off for you? Well, um, again, I think it was something that, like, you know, maybe maybe I, I kind of want to go this route. And, <laughs> okay. and as, as I started to take classes, you know, my freshman and, and early in my sophomore year, the only ones that I really wanted to pay attention to or really wanted to study for, um, you know, was, was not like the math classes. It was not the science classes. It was the writing classes. I mean, I really, really enjoyed it. So, um, so I think that was kind of the trigger. And I decided, you know, gosh, you know, I, I'm here at Northwestern. I don't think it's a mistake that I'm here and that they have one of the best journalism schools in the, in the country. And so, um, it, yeah, it was just that conscious decision of paying attention to the kind of classes that, that you enjoy. I mean, there's, there's not, you know, if you want to put time into doing homework, if you want to put time into studying something, then that's probably the direction you want to go. And it was for all my writing classes and journalism classes that I had that passion for. So it just made sense at the uh, at the end of my sophomore year to try to get into the school. I love the quote on your website because it talks about saying no or not saying no to any opportunity. Uh, and, and then you describe going to I don't even know how to pronounce it. Um, where was your first job? <laughs> Alpena, there Michigan. We go. Okay. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I, I was going to go um, with Alpena, that, but. Um, Oh, you know what? Um, I mean, you could go with that too. Close, it's funny yeah. because so the station I worked for in in Alpena, 
was um, the call letters there were for WBKB. And uh, the joke with even, you know, the locals in Alpena was that it stood for We Barely Know Broadcasting. <laughs> and, it, and you know, even though it was a shot at all of us who worked there, it probably was true because it, everyone who worked there was in their first job. Everyone who worked there had to do everything. I mean, um, I had to pick up the camera. I had to know how to shoot highlights. I had to know how to edit. I know I had to know how to write my script. There were days I had to get in at 9 a.m. on a Saturday because events were going on and games were going on that I had to cover. So I would get in at 9 a.m. And, and I would shoot my own stuff. And then I would have to bring a change of clothes to be able to anchor the local news for the sports part of it at six o'clock that night. So you know, it was it was a completely invaluable experience in terms of being able to do a little bit of everything, understanding all those roles and having an appreciation for all those roles. Um, you know, I joke that, uh, you know, I drove up from my, my interview and I hit scan on the radio dial and it went all the way through without stopping. This is before satellite radio, of course. And so it was on FM when you're supposed to have good reception, right? <laughs> and um, so, you know, Alpina just sits in the middle of nowhere and they're fine with that. Um, but I got to cover a lot of uh, unique things. I got to cover a brown trout festival that was very big up there and still, I'm sure, is very big up there. Um, but a lot of high school sports coverage. And, yeah, the biggest advice that I got, I didn't want to take that job. You know, everybody thinks when they get out of college that they're good enough to work at a major network. And I didn't want to take it. But the best advice that I got was it's not where you start. It's where you finish. And, um, yeah, I do have that quote on my website, you know, don't say no to opportunity. Now that don't get that confused with, um, saying yes to every chance you get, because you can't say yes to every chance you get, because every chance that's offered you is not a good chance. So you have to look at it. Is this a chance or is this an opportunity? And, um, and, and regardless of if it's going to provide some grunt work, regardless if it's not what you had envisioned your opportunity to be, you better say yes, because you don't know when or where that's going to open up a door for the next step. I know you go from there and you wind up in Lansing for about a decade doing television as well. But when did you really get the play-by-play itch and decide that that was something you wanted to pursue? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, you mentioned uh, I was there for 10 years, and I kind of crossed over, started working for the Big Ten Network in 2007. So the very first weekend, uh, the very first year that the Big Ten Network came about, um, I just happened to work at a Big Ten city and was kind of in the right place at the right time. And I think they were just kind of looking for, um, you know, bodies and people to, you know, they were trying to figure things out in year number one. And so I just, again, I just happened to be in a big 10 city sitting in East Lansing covering Michigan state and, and sometimes covering Michigan. And so I was there and I started out doing some reporting stuff from them. And then, um, I think it was year 2009, maybe 2010 where, um, I, I just got a random call from one of my bosses at big 10 network. And, and he said, um, hey, you know, we have a women's basketball game at Michigan State, you know, coming up next week. And, and we're looking for a play-by-play. And I know you haven't done it before, but would you be interested? And, and honestly, um, and, and <laughs> I had never, until that phone call, I actually had never thought about being a play-by-play. And, and, I'm, and I'm kind of embarrassed to say that because I know there's a lot of play-by-plays out there who, like, this was their dream since they were five years old and they studied the, the art and the craft. And, and I, I never did that. Like, when I just watched sports, I watched sports more as a player or as a wannabe coach than I did as a broadcaster. 
And so it was really around that year, 2009, 2010, that um, I got my first play-by-play gig. And really in the last four years, I would say, it's it's really been a craft or a part of broadcasting that um, that I have focused on now. And, and I have like a new appreciation and love for it now. What's it like being a woman in the play-by-play field? Um and getting a start and getting people, and I, I mean, I guess it's, I mean, it's different now than it was years ago, but getting people to, I, I guess, feel comfortable with that, if, if that's the right way to say it. Because um, it's, it's not the normal that, quote unquote, everybody's used to. How hard is it to break through that glass ceiling? It's getting easier. Um, and it's getting easier because of people like Pam Ward and, and Beth Mullins who are starting to pave the way. Um, everybody asks, what's it like? You know, I'll, I'll take your question to, to, and, and go back a few steps. A lot of people ask me, what's it like to be a female in sports broadcasting? And my answer to them is it was, I think, a lot harder in the 80s and the 90s and maybe the early 2000s because um, you didn't see a whole lot of women just in sports broadcasting. And now you do. You turn on any major network and there's going to be some sort of woman who's involved in the coverage in some sort of way, whether as a reporter or as a studio host. Um, But my challenge now is it's not just getting women in sports broadcasting. It's getting women in untraditional sports broadcasting roles. And one of those is play-by-play. And, um, you know, I would love to see more female play-by-plays doing men's basketball, doing football even. And so I think that's the next challenge and and that's the next step um, that a lot of females in this business um, and as play-by-plays have to face. What do you think is the the challenge? What is the challenge there, I guess, is the way to put that in terms of uh, being able to break through? And obviously it's still in a lot of ways, a very male-dominated profession at even the higher levels of it, um, is being able to, to have somebody open that door. Um, is that the hardest part, I guess, is to, is to have people that are willing to, willing to, to take that step uh, along with you? Yeah, well, certainly, you know, anything in broadcasting is you got to have someone who likes you <laughs> and who's a boss. And you, so that, that person has to also have the guts to give you a chance to try to do something different. And, um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, first of all, it's, it's, it's taking that risk from management, but second of all, it's, it's going to have to be a cultural acceptance. I mean, um, fans are going to have to get used to hearing a female voice set the rhythm of a football game. And, and that's going to be something that we're not used to. And maybe fans in our culture won't get used to it this year or next year or five years down the line. I mean, maybe it's, it's something that will become more accepted 10 years down the line, but that's not a reason to not continue to strive for that. I mean, when I hear Beth Mowens do college football, I think she sounds great, but um, I'm a different fan from like Joe Smith down the street who might sit there and listen to a football game and say, well, that sounds, that sounds strange to hear a female's voice um, as the dominant voice of a football game instead of a male voice. Um, you know, I just hope that 10 years down the line, if you and I are doing this podcast again, that, that we're not talking about this anymore, that it becomes the norm and that people um, hear a, a game instead of a gender to a voice calling a game. I would love to see that happen in the next 10 years. How do you deal with the, I don't even say if if criticism is the right word, but the thought being a woman, you've got to be, do you almost have to be that much more perfect? Because when people hear you say something, if you slip up in some spot, then there will be almost that chauvinistic uh, 
impulse as a fan to say, oh, it's because she's a woman she doesn't know, that you've got to be that much more on your P's and Q's? Uh, or is that something that the second you let that start creeping into your psyche, uh, you're done and you've just got to approach it like you would do anything else because you know that gender aside, you're good enough to be doing what you're doing? Yeah, and, and, you know, and that's something that is not a new problem. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> True. It's something that, that every single female has had to deal with, like I said, since the 80s, the 90s, early 2000s, when when more and more women started to cover sports. Um, and you know what? That's an attitude. And you just have to realize um, that's not you. That's a problem with the fan. You know, um, everybody, we're all human. We're all human. And everyone, and especially on live TV, we're all going to make mistakes. I have seen some of the best male broadcasters in the business make goofs, yeah. you know? And, and so, yeah, yeah, it's going to happen, but it's not because we're female. It's because we're human, <laughs> you know? Um, but absolutely. Is there, is there a different standard? I feel like that is held to us sometimes uh, because we're female. Absolutely. And, and again, that's something that I would love to see change within the, within the next few years. And, you know, social media doesn't help at all um, because you have, you know, the anonymous fan who's sitting there eating potato chips on his couch who <laughs> feels like they can t- attack anyone and everyone. Um, but, you know, if you're confident in the job that you're doing, um, you have to block that out. You just have to, because um, if you put in the work and the time, um, that should be good enough. And and yes, there will be slip-ups, and yes, there will be mistakes, but yes, that's because we're all human, not because we're a female or male. Who'd you look up to? Uh, I know you mentioned Pam Ward and, and Beth, obviously, who does a fantastic job. Who were kind of your, um, and I guess that goes in two different ways, who were kind of your women in broadcasting idols? Uh, and then when you started to get more into play-by-play, who did you kind of look up to in, in that realm? Um, yeah, yeah. you know, there's not there's not one person, so I'm going to throw out a few names. Um, you already mentioned uh, Beth Mullen, and, and she still kind of is my model uh, for play-by-play. And, um, you know, if, it, if we're just going to stay on the female side, I loved watching Robin Roberts, uh, especially when, when she was with ESPN at SportsCenter, and now she's with Good Morning America. I mean, the thing I liked about her is she was a former athlete. She's a former basketball player. But she always, she just brought that classiness to every broadcast. And I love that. Um, as a reporter, I, I love watching Michelle Tafoya on, uh, on Sunday Night Football. Um, I think it's kind of the same thing where she just kind of, she brings knowledge. She brings a presence. She brings the classiness that I appreciate with females being in the business. Um, if you translate over to uh, male broadcasters who I've, who've I've admired, um, you know, there's different ones. If you just stay within the play-by-play realm. Uh, you know, Mike Tirico, I have appreciated. I think he does a great job in setting like the rhythm of the game. But I think one of his strengths is storytelling within a game. But also, and, and maybe this is um, maybe this is undervalued for a fan watching. I think he understands who his analyst is, and he gets the best out of his analyst. And he doesn't work with the same guy for every game or for every sport. But he understands what's my analyst's strength. Are they in entertainment? kind of person are they an x's and o's kind of person and so he will try to draw out the strength of his analyst um in the fox world i love the fact uh i think tim brando can be very creative um i think gus johnson you know has that ability to add just excitement if it's a close game in the final two minutes and just react to what he's seen 
Um, you know, at the Big Ten Network, I've worked with Kevin Kugler, who um, might be one of the more versatile play-by-plays out there. He does some Westwood One radio, but his preparation is unmatched. And uh, and you talk about someone who rarely makes mistakes. Um, it's Kevin Kugler, and uh, and for as many games as he calls, many different sports, and as many players or coaches he has to remember. I mean, that's that's something that's incredibly admirable. You threw a lot out there, and I kind of want to uh, dovetail off of that too, in in an interesting sense of how did you um, how did you craft who you were as a play by play broadcaster. Um, looking to those people and seeing what those people do and, and seeing what other people do and kind of deciding uh, how you were going to get better at this when you first started out doing it. Um, what did you look to and what did you consider when you kind of molded who you were going to be? Yeah, I, um, uh, you know, I, had, I think I'm still trying to figure out, you know, what my style is because I, I think I'm kind of like in year maybe five of really kind of focusing on the craft. So I'm still trying to figure that out. But, you know, number one, it was just kind of understanding the basics, first of all. I mean, I remember that first game, you know, I talked to you about the story that I got the random phone call. Hey, can you do this? So in the, hey, can you do this game? I'm like sitting there in the chair and I'm realizing, oh, like it's, this might sound silly, but it's my job to say some of the basics, like uh, keep track of the timeouts for the audience, keep track of the team fouls, keep track of the personal fouls. Like I, you know, instead of, I was always kind of the fan that would just sit back and watch. And I was like, I, I can't sit back and watch anymore. Like I literally have to say this stuff. And, and that might sound ridiculous, but I didn't go to play by play school. So no one, no one sat down and taught me like, this is what you're supposed to do. So I would literally was learning on the fly. And, and it was that kind of realization. First of all, just understand the basics of, you know, what is important for a play by play to do. So as I started to like the job more, I will, you know, DVR and record games and just watch um, what other people's styles are. And so I think, you know, I'm a reporter at heart, so I do think that there is some storytelling. I like to try to get stories in when I do play-by-play as well. I think there's still that kind of that reporter part of me. Um, And I'm still trying to react. I'm still trying to to get creative with my calls, sort of like the Tim Brando way. I'm still trying to um, add excitement to some of the, the biggest moments, um, like I guess Johnson. And so you know, I think that's the, one of the biggest challenges is to react to the moment um, and not only react to the moment with your words, but to react to the moment with your silence. I think some of the best broadcasters um, understand that it's not always what you say, it's what you don't say. And, um, and just, you know, in the business, as you probably know, we call it laying out. And sometimes in some of the biggest moments, you don't have to say anything. And, and sometimes that's the difference between a really good broadcaster and a really great broadcaster. I like you do U32, by the way, if I can throw that in there, if you talk about getting creative. Um, just a side note. Uh, uh, oh, with the Sierra Romero? Yeah. You do, 30, you do U32? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a Michigan softball. But one of the best softball players probably in the game is people, if some of your listeners don't know who Sierra Romero is. But yeah, that was one of my calls. It just came out, you know? And so um, so uh, that's that's an example of, of maybe trying to get creative with something and and not having it staged or planned, you just you just kind of react to the moment. How long has it taken to develop the comfort for you? Uh, you talk about laying out what to say in the right moment, what not to say in the right moment. Um, and you know, I gotta 
I got a critique yesterday about some stuff that I had sent out. Um, I've done radio my entire career until last year when I first started dabbling in TV. Uh, and there's still, even now, this these cogs that turn in my head about thinking when to talk, when not to talk, and really not just letting it flow because I'm still trying to develop that balance between what's radio versus what's TV. Um, how long did it take you to, to figure out and, and, and be able to do it in a, in a comfortable fashion so that you could turn on a game and say, okay, Lisa's not thinking about what she's going to say or not say. She's just saying it. Yeah, it's, it's still ongoing. <laughs> still, I'm still, I feel like I'm still trying to get there. But, you know, I, I think some of just that is just a feeling. And I actually feel blessed to be a former player in that way, like to um, maybe not to live some of those big moments, um, you know, because some of my big games are very limited. (laughs) My playing time was very limited, but to just be in and around sports in that game and to understand the emotion of a big moment. Um, And so I go into a game having that kind of in my saddlebag and, and also just being a sports fan. I mean, my entire life, like, you know, my, my dad was my high school basketball coach. And so, you know, we were always watching sports, um, in the family room, we always had sports on TV. And so it's, it's more or less coming at it as a sports fan. Like what makes sense? Like what, what, what do I want to see? And, and I think you try to, in those moments, I think you try to play off of those instincts as a former player, as a current sports fan, always been a sports fan, you know, what makes sense in terms of you just have to kind of feel the moment, um, whether you say something or whether you don't. I want to ask you about a specific game, if I can, as well. Um, and it's the St. John Seton Hall broadcast you guys did earlier this year uh, where the coaches were mic'd up. Uh, what was that like in terms of having that <laughs> and having to work with that and uh, just kind of having something that was a little non-traditional thrown into the mix? Yeah, it's well, um, first of all, major props to, to Fox and, and the Big East Conference and to our producers, Steve Sear, um, who all kind of collaborated on that idea. I mean, it was something that hadn't been done before. And, and so the game uh, happened, you know, just before New Year's, so late December. But I got a call from our producer, Steve Shear, uh, in October. And, um, and I'm thinking, you know, why is he calling me for a game in December? But, um, he, he just wanted to present to me this idea. He's like, I think it's going to happen. And he's like, it's never been done before. And I want to make sure that you're on board. And I'm like, well, yeah, of course I'm on board. I'm going to find the game, you know, like I'm not, <laughs> not going to jump ship now. And uh, so he kind of went into just the whole, just the landscape of it. And, and I'm thinking, wow, that's, that's really cool. And, and, but it wasn't something, you know, and, and, and I worked with the China Robinson, who was the analyst in that game. And, and I think, I don't want to speak entirely for her, but I think it's safe to say that both of us really didn't understand what the rhythm of that game was going to entail until we were actually a part of it. Um, you know, first quarter, uh, it, it was an adjustment for everyone, technically, audio-wise. I mean, the real MVP of that game was was the audio people and the and the group of uh, of many um, people who had to work the audio side because they had many mics to work. Um, they had like a, a delay that they would use if they needed to, which I don't think they needed to with the coaches, but they had both coaches mic'd up the entire time. Uh, you know, they had Lachina and, 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 and my mics to worry about. Then they had kind of the periphery mics just of the gymnasium. Um, 
so it was an adjustment. I mean, because the two coaches really, sometimes they became the play-by-play and sometimes they became the analysts. When you're talking about laying out, like that was the ultimate example of knowing when to get in and when to just lay out and not say anything and, and let the coaches take it away. Because that was kind of the whole point is to give fans an all-access perspective on a game. We took them into the huddles. It was all commercial free. So we never took a break until halftime. Um, and so we were hearing in the huddles what the players were hearing as they were, you know, in real time. I mean, it was the most um, reality TV experience on the sports side that a fan could could ultimately get. But yeah, it was a learning experience for myself and for China and, and really for, for everyone involved because it had never been done before. Do you think that's something people should do more often or something you'd want to try more often? Um, well, our, you know, from a coach's perspective, that's fair. I don't know if everyone's going to be on board for that, but from a fan's perspective, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Like, why wouldn't you want as much access to your team or the opposing team as, as we can give you? I mean, and think about the world that we live in now. I mean, we're, we're into this virtual reality where we're getting all kinds of different video angles, the game and, and an experience. So why not? give them maybe some audio angles or some, you know, all access angles and stuff that that haven't been done before. I don't think it's going away. You know, I I feel honored to have been a part of the first one. Um, But I think there's going to be many, many down the road. And, um, you know, it might not be the coach's decisions. (laughs) I mean, there are plenty when you watch NBA coverage. I don't think any of those NBA coaches want to do those in-game interviews. Um, But especially Mr. Popovich, but it's there because TV is there. And guess what? You know, this is the world that we live in. So, yeah, I don't I don't really see it going away. Um, I think that, you know, different networks, maybe Fox will do it again. Maybe Fox will try it again. Um, But I think there was certainly enough there for the promise of more being there in the future. That's one of those things where even if you want to do it or not, it winds up in your contract, so then all of a sudden you're doing it as a coach. Uh, (laughs) Exactly. At least I can tell you uh, this much. Uh, I know you do the Chicago Sky as well, and uh, Amber Stocks is my color analyst for basketball on TV. Um, so oh, yeah. You just, just promise you'll go easy. Uh, I know it's year one up there. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I have been so busy in the, in the college basketball world that I actually have not had a chance to meet Amber yet. And so, uh, yeah, so I'll be doing Chicago Sky Games again this summer. And, and I plan on kind of getting over there maybe in April and May when they start some of their practices and stuff. But, um, you know, I've heard great things about her. And, and obviously the team's going to look a little bit different, sure. you know, now without um, <laughs> Elena Deladon. But um, you know what? Uh, I think it's exciting. You know, um, I, I think she'll, she'll bring um, a different kind of life to, um, to the franchise. And, and certainly some of the, the new players will do that as well. So um, instead of Sky fans kind of, you know, judging things like, oh, you know, you know, we lost Elena and uh, we're going to throw in the towel. Just, you know, just remember they got to, they got pretty far in the playoffs last year with Elena Deladon hurt. So, um, you know, they have some pretty good pieces still in place and they added some pretty good pieces. And so I'm excited to see, you know, what her style is going to be. And, and um, I'm excited for the WNBA season. Lisa, if people uh, want to follow you on social media or um, interact with you that way, uh, how do they find you and how do they, uh, how do they easiest, most easily uh, find your work on TV? 
Yeah, uh, you know, I, I do. Uh, I'm still a freelancer, which means that um, I hop around. Sometimes you can find me on different networks. Um, but you know, I primarily work for Big Ten Network and um, and for the Fox family. So FS1 and and Fox. Um, you know, I have the the a couple of conference tournaments coming up here towards the. In March, so I'll I'll be doing play-by-play for the Big Ten women's basketball tournament, and then right after that, I do the Big East women's basketball tournament as a play-by-play, and then right after that, I'll actually be a reporter for the men's side for the Big East tournament at Madison Square Garden. So I kind of go back to back to back with conference tournaments there, but you know that's a way to to check me out. And then social media-wise, I try to keep it easy. It's just my first and last name, Lisa Byington on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, I even have Snapchat, so um, I've, I kind of got into that world. Though I, I swore that I would never get involved with Snapchat, <laughs> but <laughs> I've, I, I, you know, I gave in and I created my own account. So, um, so I'm out there. Um, you know, I appreciate being on this podcast and you showing some interest and um, kind of giving you know females a, a positive platform here in, in this world of broadcasting. So, thank you to you for that. I appreciate it. That is Lisa Byington joining us here on the podcast. I cannot thank her enough for taking the time out to join us, spend a half hour of her time with us, um, take it away from her prep work and uh, detail a little bit about her career and uh, her journey through this industry. If you're in Indianapolis this week, so is Lisa Byington. She's calling the Big Ten Women's Basketball Championships from Baker's Life Fieldhouse. You can catch her on Big Ten Network. And then some really big news that we didn't get a chance to talk about on the podcast because, full disclosure, we taped it like a week and a half ago. Uh, but this news dropped yesterday. Lisa Byington added to the NCAA tournament coverage on television. She's joining uh, Carter Blackburn, friend of the pod. She'll be on the Carter Blackburn, Mike Gimsky, and Debbie Antonelli crew. That's a three-man booth uh, with Lisa Byington, who makes her debut. And then Debbie Antonelli, big step forward for women's broadcasting as well. First women, uh, first woman analyst on the NCAA tournament in 21 years. So an, another huge step forward. We talk about continuing to punch that glass ceiling. Uh, I mean, for somebody like Debbie Antonelli, who does an amazing amount of stuff in this industry already, uh, another great opportunity for her. And it's good to see her do that. And good for, good for Lisa Byington uh, to be put on that staff doing uh, reporting as well. If you want to follow Lisa Byington, she gave her Twitter information uh, in that interview as well. You can also hit her up on her website, lisabyington.com. Pretty straightforward. Uh, Lisa, B-Y-I-N-G-T-O-N.com. That is the way to find her best on the internet. And then, of course, she mentioned it at the end. uh, You can find her on television any number of places and currently doing the Big Ten Women's Basketball Tournament in Indianapolis. A couple other notes for us going forward. Uh, really good guests coming up down the pipeline here. Alex Faust, uh, who's one of the great young up-and-comers in this industry, will be with us. Uh, Tom Wormy will be with us in a couple of weeks here on the podcast, who's uh, a guy that does a lot of stuff with the ACC Network, but also does the team streams for the NCAA Final Four. Did Syracuse last year as a Syracuse alum, uh, and then two years ago did the Duke team stream. So interesting to talk about that uh, we talked with Lisa about doing the broadcast with the coaches mic'd up. Interesting to get Tom's perspective on doing the team stream and just kind of different takes on play-by-play as networks try to attack things from different angles and in different ways. So we'll have Tom Wormy coming on in a couple of weeks and uh, Bob Harris as well. And I thought it would be cool to reach out to Bob Harris because he's retiring after 41 years as the voice of the Duke Blue Devils. And you know we had Rich Chavotkin on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and one of the things Rich said that I thought was cool was 
you know, there's only so many guys that can give the perspective that those guys have. It's something when you're in that kind of a chair for that long. Uh, and it was fun to pick Rich's brain. It was fun to pick Bill Hillgrove's brain uh, back, I think, episode nine of the podcast. If you want to scroll back through and find that one. It was really fun to pick Bob Harris's brain uh, and really kind of an honor as well. And what was cool about the chat with Bob Harris, we set it up for the morning of March 1st. So Wednesday morning of this week, we, we talked. I checked my schedule uh, when Bob asked if I was free on March 1st. I said, hey, do you want to do the podcast? He said, sure, I've got some time on March 1st. I checked my schedule. I didn't check his schedule. Uh, obviously, Bob Harris's final broadcast from Cameron Indoor was February 28th. So the night before he did the podcast was his last broadcast in Cameron. Uh, so it was really kind of cool. And I didn't expect that when I set up the timing. I didn't know Duke's schedule off the top of my head. Uh, that we would get Bob coming off of that. Uh, so it's cool to get that perspective, and I'm really looking forward uh, to what you guys' thoughts are on our conversation with Bob Harris. That's coming up here as we go through the month uh, month of March as well. It's a fun time of year, folks. Uh, Ball State is headed to Cleveland, hopefully next week for the Mid-American Conference Championships. Hopefully we're doing this podcast on location next week in Cleveland. Hopefully I'm recording it at the Renaissance downtown. Renaissance or Radisson? I don't know. One of those two. In downtown Cleveland. And uh, the, the March Madness is still running deep. So uh, fingers crossed, everybody. Uh, congratulations on your seasons this far. Best of luck uh, having some good tournament runs with your team over the next couple of weeks. But they are playing Marshmallow right now. So we've got to get out of here. Uh, follow us on Twitter. We're at PXPCast. Download and subscribe. Give us a rating, a review. Tell somebody about the podcast if you enjoy it. And then, of course, we'll see you back here next week on Play by Playcast. We're out. Yeah.